Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with Mark McNear, who is a licensed therapist out of New Jersey and also a well-known speaker and author, and he's written a new book about his own experience. And so we're going to talk to him a little bit today about his book, but also his work in the field of helping people recover from trauma and also how does that align with your Christian faith. So Mark, thank you for being here. And it's a pleasure. So I'm excited to talk to somebody who has more experience in the field than I do and who also has kind of reached this goal of um, publishing a book. And I know with this book, it wasn't just about, you know, oh, I'm an author now. It's uh, it's about sharing a really vulnerable story that you believe in faith is going to help people to heal from some really painful trauma. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you came to write this book? I'd be glad to. So I live in New Jersey. I'm a therapist. I've been a therapist for a lot of years, as you mentioned, actually over 30 years now. And it was, um, I guess it was about eight and a half years ago. I found myself in a, in a really difficult position and um, I had called a doctor uh, who was prescribing medication for me and I was looking for refills and um, she made it clear to me that, you know, that I was abusing the medication and that I needed to go to rehab, not wow. something that I was looking forward to hearing. So okay. I had to um, close down my, my practice essentially. Mm. You know, I put on the, on the voicemail that I would not be in for an extended period of time. And then uh, within a couple of days, I was on my way to rehab. And, and this whole uh, story unfolded, mm. you know, through through that journey. And, and I could have never uh, dreamt what God was going to do Yeah, through this experience. And, and um, I remember my wife, Debbie, gave me um, Psalm 30, verse 5, in the middle of all of this chaos. And it talks about, you know, weeping tarries at night, but joy comes in the morning. And certainly there was a lot of weeping. <laughs> there yeah. was a lot of pain. And, you know, and um, I, I wanted to write the book from the position of being a therapist, but also, you know, being a client. And yeah. I wanted to be really vulnerable and I wanted to be real. And I wanted to talk about, you know, all the struggles that I had in rehab and, and after rehab, because one of the most painful things that happened to me was that as the medication was going out of my system, the uh, memories, mm. trauma came back with a vengeance. And yeah. So I'm dealing with, you know, <laughs> the withdrawal symptoms from prescribed medications mm -hmm. But I'm also dealing with, you know, all of these memories, you know, some of them that I had not thought about since I was three, four years old. Yeah. 
you know, so I'm sitting, I'm sitting in, in rehab, trying, trying to act normal mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to contain it and, and just wasn't ready to talk about any of it. And, you know, that's where the, the title of the book came from, you know, finding my words, because I didn't have the words. There were there were um, professionals there that were encouraging me to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't. I didn't have the words for it. And I didn't. The other thing is I didn't have the emotional wherewithal because of all of these memories coming coming up. And yeah. So um, I talk in the book and I'll give you a kind of a brief overview uh, of some of the things I talk about. My dad starting to sexually abuse me at, at the age of four. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that in detail in the book. And then I talk about um, when I was four years old at the time, my dad uh, decided to force feed me carrots mm-hmm. that I didn't want to eat. I ended up vomiting and he picked me up and he actually threw me in the garbage. Mm. You know, so the, all of these memories, you know, are coming up. I'm sitting there in rehab and, and all of these memories are coming up. I was sexually abused from about four years old to about seven. Mm-hmm. And then we had armed robbery in our home mm. where people came in with guns and robbed my parents. My I know my, my parents were downstairs in the basement where the safe was. We were upstairs in our beds. We never woke up. Okay. But then just after that, just... um our family really, it was in bad shape before, but it really fell apart. Yeah. Um, my mom began to drink heavily. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk in the book about, you know, just watching her, me as a little kid, seven, eight years old, watching her get intoxicated mm-hmm. at, at the uh, kitchen table day after day after day and go to bed. She would go to bed like at six o'clock at night. And then my dad, he was paranoid to begin with, but he become became much more paranoid. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, like I said, I wanted to be authentic in the book. I wanted to be um, vulnerable and, yeah. and put it down. So he um, he broke out a wall in the basement and gave. It, it's just a, a crazy story. Gave my sister and I uh, forks and knives and spoons, and had us dig out a room where he could put money and other valuables. Mm. You know, so it was the silverware, huh? Yeah, with the silverware, exactly. (laughs) You know, so as as I talked about this with with one of one of one of my counselors, Harry Flanagan, he really encouraged me to write the things down. First of all, for treatment, you know, just to make a list of them uh, of traumas, and then we went over those and in a very careful way, and then. that became chapters four, five, and six of the book. I didn't know it at the time that that ended up becoming, you know, the yeah. childhood part part of the book. And um, he encouraged me, you know, to possibly write this book. And at the time, I was like, "There's no way I'm not I'm not putting that out there." Yeah. And you know, and and so, um, you know, the Lord worked in my heart. I wrestled with Him a lot, and um, decided to write it a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. Well, I noticed in just viewing the viewing the digital copy of your book and looking through your table contents and reading some of the sections, you start out with rehab, but mm-hmm. then you move back to childhood and then you move on to recovery. And so I, I wanted to talk to you about that because a lot of times I think people 
see the symptom that's happening in our adult life. And the symptom might be a failed marriage, or it might be an addiction like it was for you, or it might be, and you just got into trouble, financial trouble, legal trouble, something like that. Like something has exploded in your adult life. And so as, you know, capable, productive people, we want to like try to rush and put the pieces back together. And it really comes to a point where that's not possible because you haven't healed what happened before. Right. Right. And that's a that's a really good point. And because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm on my way to rehab in denial, not not even thinking about any of this stuff with with how traumatized I was as a child. And and I'm thinking, yeah, I'll be out of there <laughs> in about a month and, you know, yeah. I'll go back to practice. And, and it, it turned out that um, I had a lot of healing to do. Yeah. And so after getting out of rehab, it was three months in rehab, not one month. But after those three months, I ended up uh, taking two years off. Wow. And just really working on healing. Yeah. And there was a lot that I needed to work on, yeah, you know? And so, yeah, my life fell apart. It, it was, it really and I can bad. imagine if somebody's listening to this thinking, well, my life's falling apart right now, that taking two years off seems like, or taking a month off, taking three months off. It sounds like that's just impossible. I could yeah, never because, do that. Yeah. We're always busy doing what we're doing. And, you know, I'm like, yeah. I have clients and I have this and I have that. Yeah. But, you know, the Lord was really gracious to me and, and opened the door for me to have this time of healing. Um, it was really needed. And, and you know, the, the first part of the book is finding my words. Yeah. And that's rehab. The second part of the book, as you mentioned, is childhood. And that's just the traumas that I went through in childhood and, and going through that experience and kind of talking about it as a child. Yeah. Uh, as an adult, looking at that child and, and just stepping into the, the shoes of that child. And then the last part of it is, um, ends really well. It's a messy book, but it, <laughs> but it ends really well because it talks about recovery. It doesn't, you know, and I didn't want to, um, you know, write this book that said, you know, uh, oh yeah, I went to rehab, mm -hmm. you know, and I got things straightened out with God mm -hmm. and life is wonderful now. Yeah. And I wanted to write a book that's like, yeah, things are really good, but they're really messy still. Right. I still struggle with depression. Yeah. I still struggle with anxiety. You know, I still struggle with a lot of internalized anger and flashbacks. And, you know, like I didn't want to write it and say, yep, everything's good now because that's not reality. Yeah. And, and I wanted to write that for the church, for the church, because as I talk to people, mm -hmm. you know, there's just so many people that are hungry, yeah, they're vulnerable for yeah. being authentic, for being real and being able to talk about the struggles that they have. Right. And while God does choose to deliver some people, like it's like from a drug addiction or something like, oh, I never desired it again. Like that's not a common story for people. And a lot of times the story is more of it's a, a lifelong struggle, whether, whether it's a drug addiction or it's depression, like it's a a lifelong struggle that you continue to seek healing from day after day. And it, it it fosters the intimacy with God because you're relying on him to make it through that thing. Yeah. all the, That's a great point because all the struggles that I have now, and I have plenty of them, you know, <laughs> you know, it really leads me back to him. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm feeling really dysregulated emotionally, yeah. it leads me back to him. It leads me back to my source of hope. You know, I, I love where Paul talks about, you know, when I am weak, then I am strong, that that's something that I've really had to come to terms with. Yeah. 
yeah. that, you know, I have a lot of weaknesses and, and I have been really traumatized. And so as a result of that, you know, I limp every day and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing that I end up telling a lot of people who have gone through recovery from depression or anxiety, and they have this real fear in them, like I'm doing okay now, but what if that happens again? I never want to go through a, an episode like that again. And the truth is a lot of us that do just struggle with depression or anxiety are, it is going to pop up again at some point. And what I like to tell my clients is that first time, that really bad episode that you had that brought you into therapy, like that was really scary because you didn't know what was going on. You didn't know what to do about it. You thought you might be dying. You didn't have medications in place. You didn't have a support system in place and none of your loved ones knew what was going on either. <laughs> and so that place you will never be in again. You will never have not gone to therapy again. You will never have not gotten your medication sorted out again. They might need adjustments in the future, but this place that you're in now, you can rely on your relationship with God and the support system that you've built through therapy and all of this other resources. Um, and now you never have to fear that again, even though it might come up again. Yeah, you, you have a toolbox. I, I talk to clients and and I had to build my own toolbox and I'm continuing to build it of mm -hmm. things that I do uh, to help myself regulate emotionally. Mm -hmm. You know, and some days I'm triggered more than other days. And so I have to implement different tools as, as a result of that. Right. But it but it's an exciting journey, hard journey, but yeah. a really exciting journey. And I don't know where um get on a soapbox for a minute. I don't I don't know where the church has gotten the idea that, you know, there's not mental health issues because we have bodies, we have brains that are organs. And, you know, if, if somebody is struggling with, you know, something with their heart or something with diabetes, then, you know, it's accepted. But if somebody's struggling with bipolar or anxiety or, or, or complex trauma or PTSD, it's kind of like, you know, you should be healed from that. And I love what uh, Sheila Walsh says you know because she's had her struggles with mental uh, illness and you know she talks about the fact that it's okay not to be okay yeah. because that's that's why jesus came yeah mm -hmm. for the sick for the sinners right <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah if you've listened to the soul Brent podcast for even one episode you know my guests and i believe that when we integrate the power of god with the wisdom of modern psychology we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. You know, going back to your book and the, and the way that you put it together here, like we do, we get to this point in our adult lives and some, sometimes younger even that we know there's something that we got to sort out. And for you, the 
symptom was prescription drug addiction, right? That was just a symptom of the underlying problem. And then, yeah, that was not the problem. Right. It was a problem. It became a problem. It was a problem. It made your life unmanageable. Unmanageable, but that was not the problem. And, you know, um, there's a, a physician who's done a lot of work with trauma and a lot of work with addiction, Dr. Gabor Mate. And he talks about the fact that, you know, don't ask why the addiction, Yeah. ask why the pain. Yeah. That's what I had to do in my own journey is, is ask myself, like, why is it uh, so relieving when I take medication mm-hmm. or when I take too much medication to calm my body down? Yeah. You know, I was originally diagnosed with um, major depressive disorder and uh, anxiety with panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with ADHD, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't think, you know, that the diagnosis of ADHD was, was correct, but it, but it, it fit At the for time. all of the anxiety and, and, and all the disorganization and all, and all the things that I struggled with, mm-hmm. you know, so I had to go underneath it, you know, and look at the root issues, yeah. you know, and not just label it as something that it appeared to be, mm-hmm. but to go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, as therapists and in that first meeting that we have with people, we have to go over that document that we call the informed consent so that they know what they're getting into and that they've agreed to it and they understand who we are and what our policies are and all of that. So I always go, I always say, I know you've read it because you signed it, wink, wink. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, <course>. still gonna, <laughs> I'm still going to go over it verbally. Yeah just because it's my ethical requirement to make sure we both understand each other here. And so one of the first conversations that I have with people is about the risks and benefits of therapy. And so I always say the risk is that you don't get better. That could happen to some people, but that tends to happen to people who come in here to complain and vent. It doesn't Mm -hmm. tend to happen to people who really dig in and do the work. So I know you'll be fine with that. (laughs) And then I say one of the other risks of therapy is that sometimes it feels worse before it gets better. And that's because we have to dig out all the ick before you can start healing. And I like to use this metaphor that when I was 20 years old, I used to ride a longboard skateboard. And one day my husband, who at the time was my brand new fiance, he and I were gonna be riding down this pathway through the forest because I lived in the mountains and there was a paved trail and I was gonna take my skateboard on this paved trail. It sounded like a great day out, you know, but the hill was a little more steep than I planned on and I started to get the wobbles, you know, and my choices were, I can't stop this skateboard in the normal way you would stop a skateboard so I can roll off and hit the ground, or I can maybe stop myself on that tree that's flying by. (laughs) And so I ended up hitting the ground and I ended up losing a large chunk of my kneecap and the the skin, not the bone. And so uh, the paramedics had to come in an ambulance and carry me through the woods on a stretcher back to the emergency room where they had to spend a couple hours picking rocks and debris out of my knee. And then I had to do wet dry compresses on it to allow the skin to build up so that I could have a functioning kneecap, you know. And so I always tell people this story and I I show them the scar on my knee because what would have happened if they said, well, it looks like it's only a flesh wound. Here's a (laughs) Band-Aid. 
I would have had that debris stuck in my knee and my, my skin doing its job the way that God designed it to would have healed over it and created scar tissue over all the rocks and sticks and pine needles that were still embedded in there. And then I never would have been able to kneel again or use my knee appropriately again if this if it had just been covered over with scar tissue. So I like to tell people that this is what we're doing in the beginning stages of therapy is that we're taking that little forceps and we're we're pulling out rocks and pine needles and splinters and it hurts and it's painful. But if we don't get those things out, your body is going to do what it needs to do. Your mind's going to do what it needs to do and heal over that and you will lose functioning of that part of your body or in the counseling sense, that part of your mind, soul, heart right? If we don't get that icky stuff out, your, you have, your body is made, your mind is made to be adaptive and it will adapt. Like for, in your story, Mark, it adapted by making you an achiever. You were a Christian, you were a therapist, you got licensed, you were working as a professional, you had a family, all of these things you were, you had adapted to achieving in life, but there were rocks and sticks underneath. Yeah, and I and, and that's a really really good illustration, and that's and you know it, it reminds me of I, I talk in the book about um, my dad. Uh, he had a brother who was cognitively impaired, okay, and so he often compared me mm. to his brother. Yeah, and in in that day, way back then, he was considered mentally retarded, and right. so I was I was compared to him, and so uh, talking about adapting, you know. I, I came to know the Lord when I was 19 years old and felt uh, called into the ministry. And so I went to Bible college yeah. and I went to Bible college for three years. And then because of so much anxiety and depression, I ended up in therapy, mm-hmm. you know, counseling. And and so uh, through that journey, um, I really felt called into doing counseling, doing yeah. ministry as far as, as far as counseling. And so I um, went on to New York University and I got my first master's and then I went and got my second master's Mm -hmm. and then I went and I got my doctorate and all of that's wonderful and the Lord is using that but I had to look at the motive yeah and what was driving me and what it was is I was trying to outrun those words of my dad Mm-hmm. that there was something wrong with me as far as my intelligence. Yeah. And I figured, you know, if I could get enough degrees on the wall, then yep. that would prove him wrong. Yeah. And it still, you know, it didn't. But, you know, th- that that's kind of like going deeper and looking at our motives and, and, and what is driving us. And there were so many things driving me that, that were uh, trauma-related. Mm-hmm. And still, the stuff I have to continue to sort out because of so much trauma that I experienced. Yeah. And so once you go through that painful part, like you mentioned that there was like the physical uh, withdrawal when you're in rehab, but there's also that the mental part where, as you said, all the images flooded back in. You had been holding them down and you may have been holding them down by earning advanced degrees, but also by you know, the medication and yeah, and just various addictions and things that helped me to distance mm-hmm. from the pain, you know, and I had to get to the point and I'm still working on it because my body carries a lot of energy in it from the things that happened to me. Yeah. And, and so I need to continually work on ways to calm my body down. Yeah. 
Do you mind sharing with us just real quick, like what are some of the techniques that you're finding helpful? Oh, right sure, now? I'd be glad to. So um, one thing I do every morning is I get up and I take a hot bath. Mm. The first thing I do, a oh. lot of times I'll journal. But sometimes I'll write out my prayers. And, and instead of speaking them, I'll just write them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll play with uh, uh, Angry Putty, it's called. Yeah. Angry Putty. Um, sometimes I will um, do a lot of mindful coloring with mm-hmm. colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times I'll do tapping. Yeah. I try to, no, I'm going to preface try, but uh, every day I try to walk at least a mile. Okay. Just like a leisurely walk. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's really, really important to me is relationships, you know, connecting with friends, mm-hmm. connecting with my wife. I have a uh, great relationship now with my daughter, Emily, who's in Wyoming and, and mm-hmm. my uh, son-in-law, Brandon. So I try to connect with them. Yeah. You know, so things like that are really important to help me to regulate yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you're able to just say those things specifically on the podcast here, because I think a lot of people know that they need to do something to regulate their emotions, but it all sounds a little bit woo woo or, you know, like mystical in some way. And you're telling me like as a man at your stage and in your career and everything that you play with putty and you color with colored pencils because it helps, you know, it does. does. (laughs) <laughs> and and I think my when I start out in the beginning of the day doing some of these things, it really helps me have a better day, yeah. and it helps me as a therapist to be better at my craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as therapists, we t- we take on a lot of those emotions from other people. We're co-regulating. We're con- offering a containing space for them. So if our internal system's a little haywire, it's hard to do a good job of that. Right? Yeah, so it's it, it's important, um, you know, and it was for me. There's a there's a, a passage in Genesis that talks about Hagar. Hagar gets kicked out into the wilderness by uh, after being mistreated by Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, and so she's out there and pretty traumatized, pretty wounded, and and so the angel of the Lord comes to her and, and he asks two questions, which I just love, and I and I use this in my story and in in other people's stories that, you know. Uh, the angel of the Lord asked, where have you come from mm-hmm. and where are you going? Yeah. You know, and the idea there is, you don't. it's not a good idea for you just to go, but you have to look at where you've come from. And that has been my journey of recovery to see where I've come from, you know, in order to evaluate, evaluate where I am in the present and then where I want to go mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, that's really important. And I think some people uh, think about therapy and they think about the hard things that they've gone through or that they're dealing with currently, and they don't want to, I don't want to go tell somebody about all that junk that happened when I was a kid, or I don't want to have to relive that. Like what, what encouragement do you give for somebody that's going to come in with that attitude? I I would say, first of all, I totally get it (laughs) because (laughs) when, when, when I was uh, told by my counselor, I want you to you know, sit down and put uh, the traumas that you experienced on a Word document and send it to me. I procrastinated because I didn't want to do it. It was really hard to do. But, you know, just like with your knee, it was necessary to have proper functioning. I would say for me to continue 
to grow. I needed to be able to talk about these things with someone, you know, um, because there was just so much, again, I'll say just so much tension in my body. And I found, you know, little by little, as, as I talked about things and I worked through and I journaled and did different exercises, that, that my body did relax more. Yeah. And, and so I would agree with them. I, I didn't want to do, I didn't <laughs> want to professional. I didn't want to do, I was like looking for a shortcut, like can yeah. I figure something out. But, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, if you find someone who knows what they're doing with trauma, like they're trauma informed, they will allow you to go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, really important for me because there were things that I just, I was not ready to talk about. Yeah. And so that's what I feel like the Lord has called me, called me to as a ministry where I can not only talk about, you know, skills and things that I've learned, but also talk about my story yeah. and how hard it was yeah, and how, how beneficial it was. I could have never, and I could have never, ever, ever talked about yeah. the things that I talked about in the book mm-hmm. um, 10 years ago. Yeah. I couldn't even about them seven years ago mm-hmm. you know but little by little as i found safe people and that's key mm-hmm. safe people to talk to mm-hmm. they kind of moved toward my story mm-hmm. and didn't didn't pull back mm-hmm. you know people that let me go at my own pace mm-hmm. so important for me can you talk a little bit about how you found those safe people you know i uh, one of the things i did was I uh, went to Pure Desire Ministries, and that was a, a ministry for uh, addiction and sexual brokenness. And, and so uh, I worked with a counselor there who was trauma-informed, Harry Harry Flanagan, and, and he um, encouraged me to get into a group of men, you know, for accountability and also just to process the trauma. And, and since then, I, I have really um, been able to uh, develop a network of people, safe people. Mm-hmm. You know, our church is a really, really uh, safe place mm-hmm. to talk about things. I can talk to people about the things that I'm struggling with. I can talk about anxiety and I can talk about obsessing and I can talk about mm-hmm. depression without it being spiritualized yeah. or emotionally, but, you know, spiritually bypassed and not, not being allowed to talk about my emotions. So yeah. um, in the beginning, I sat <laughs> in the beginning, I sat in rehab with with my mouth shut thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, I'm never going to talk about any of this. And so little by little, the Lord, you know, began to stretch me and and show me that I needed to in order to have healing. Yeah. If I can, can I just read a little section of your book right here? Mm -hmm. Mark, you write in chapter one of your book, I walked through the doors and my heart sank. I had no idea what to expect next. This was clearly not something I wanted to add to my resume. It scared me. How did I, a healthcare professional, a therapist, a Christian, and a man who helps others with their difficulties, let this happen? Just being there reaffirmed I was a loser, a failure, a fool. I had lied to myself and others, and I had let my life get out of control. And I wanted to read this quote that this is just two little paragraphs here in the first part of your book when you talk about entering rehab, because it there's a part of it that felt like it wasn't consistent with the identity that you had created for yourself as an adult, right? You you are correct. Yeah. Like, I'm a Christian. I 
you know, I have a, a degree in ministry. I have a degree in therapy. I have a degree in social work, whatever, you know, like I, uh, this is not who I am. And yet you have to, it, it was a false identity that was created, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you had to put yourself in that difficult point to get to a true identity. Yeah. And, and to live by values that were true for me. And it, it was, as you hear, it was really, really painful. You know, that that over an hour drive that Debbie drove me to rehab and me just going back and forth in my mind and just beating myself up. And, yeah. you know, one of the verses that has come out of all of this that I just absolutely love, it's in uh, Romans chapter two and verse four. It is mm -hmm. the kindness of God yes. that leads repentance or it's the kindness of God that leads to change and anyone that's going to do this deep work mm -hmm. has to find self-compassion along yeah. the way yeah in order to be like yep I put it there you know I totally screwed up mm -hmm. I fell greatly yeah you know but by the grace of God I got back up and that's what I wanted to say to people is that you know sometimes things in your life get in my my case really 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 messy yeah and then the lord steps in mm -hmm. and they get messier before before they get <laughs> yeah so. yeah so mark what do you envision for this uh, next phase of career retirement what what's your plan what's next you know uh, i had been really busy the book came out a year ago mm -hmm. and so i have been really busy with speaking and also with um writing writing articles and, th and things like that and uh also my real passion is seeing people clinically yeah uh and, and so that's what i'm doing now i just um got an email today that uh the book will be coming out on audible yes and i think it is six maybe six weeks eight weeks and that'll be on amazon so um i am just going to continue to tell my story yeah. and pursue um, can continue to grow my marriage, which is really doing like well. And that's one of the things that I talk about in, in the uh, later part of the book mm -hmm. is just um, kind of reconnecting with Debbie, you know, yeah. because addiction really wreaks havoc on interpersonal relationships. And so um, continuing to build that, continuing to build my relationship with my daughter, Emily, and, and my son-in-law, Brandon, mm -hmm. We were just out there for two weeks in Wyoming, yeah. so that was that was wonderful. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know um, when when I think about retirement. Um, Debbie and I have talked about it, and I don't really see that in my future right now. I'm just I feel yeah. like I'm just getting going in life. Yeah, yeah, you've got you a know, nice life but, now. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, really, really enjoying working with others. I'm enjoying working with people with trauma yeah. and addiction and, and also abuse and. You know, that's really the uh, underbelly of trauma Yeah, is, or underbelly of addiction is, is trauma. Pain. You know, that people try to medicate the pain, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so that has been a real challenge for me. And I, I love how I'm seeing God bring people in, yeah. you know, people filled with shame and guilt. And I can relate to that as you yeah. read in the first chapter, yeah. uh, just the first couple of paragraphs that um yeah you know, i'm just really feeling called mm -hmm. to work right now and it's exciting it's really yeah. exciting yeah that's great i do think in our field we have the kind of job where 
like you could do it into your 80s right <laughs> like you you can do it for a long don't, time don't, don't tell don't tell debbie that but yes, yeah I'll she didn't do. want that yeah. <laughs> but, but but you have the flexibility to to be able to say i can work a little bit i can work remotely mm-hmm. i can you know like it's a a career and especially if you have a ministry mindset like you're never going to be done with ministry until you're you know, with Jesus in heaven. I have a lot of, I have a lot of options and, and I'm really, really grateful. Yeah, that's good. Well, you may have already said some of this because you talked to us about your emotional regulation, but what are you doing for soul care? Um, I try in the mornings to do um, gratitude list. Oh, good. You know, and usually I start with, you know, things like my recovery in the day that the doctor confronted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best days and worst days of my life, <laughs> you know, but I, I talk about uh, and, and write down things that have happened as far as uh, care that I receive from people, which I'm really grateful for. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as I, as I said to you earlier, and that I write out prayers, it's something that's really helpful mm-hmm. for me. Friendships are really important for me. Yeah. Uh, my marriage is really important, building, building my marriage. Uh, things that I talk about, like playing with putty or coloring, um, taking a bath every day. First mm-hmm. thing in the morning, taking a real hot bath. Mm-hmm. Really, really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. You know, always trying to learn new things about how to regulate because that's really an issue for me. It's yeah. not uh, addictions now that are problematic to me. It is just finding ways to self-soothe and to regulate my emotions. Good. So I uh, also work on... Um, self-care as far as uh, dentist appointments and doctor's appointments and things like that, that just like good nutrition, things like that. I try good nutrition. I don't always do it, but mm-hmm. I try. And, and, and so just things to bring care where there, there was harm before, bring yeah. kindness where there was harm before. Good. Great. I love all of those ideas. I really want to thank you for the vulnerability that you have at this um, this point in your life and your career. Like you said, 10 years ago, seven years ago, you wouldn't have been able to talk about that. But the life that you're living now is transformative, vibrant, you know, connected. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for being here and for sharing that story with the Soul Grit audience. And for all of the people that are interested, I'm going to have the links for the book and your website and everything uh, on the show notes so they can just find you easily with one click and see what you're up to. Thank you, Anne. It's been, it's been wonderful being with you today. Thank you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.